American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is perfect purpose, and this is American football in Finland. Today is just me solo, guys, but we're going to get it. The AFF podcast is available wherever you listen to your podcast. We're currently available on more than 25 different platforms. The show is also available on our YouTube channel. Wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. It's first down when we get a chance to start fresh and discuss whatever is on our minds. For me, I spent this weekend in Sweden uh, covering the Scandinavian Cup, really connecting with a lot of the guys that play for both Tirso as well as Stockholm out there. Just kind of getting a, a good feel of what's going on in Sweden. Saw a couple of Finnish players out there. Shout out to Walter Vasanoja, Vilja Limpinen, Mikko Tuominen. Um, who else was out there? Uh, Ronnie Solonen was out there. There's a lot of Finns out there playing. But, yeah, I got to see some of that action up close, saw the championship game. That was very fun for me. That's really what I got into this last weekend. But, of course, every night went back to where I was sleeping and watched a little bit, well, watched first half of Maple League games because there's been a lot of blowouts. So if there's a blowout, I'm not watching the second half. But, yeah, that's first down. I don't want to go in too much into it. Let's get into the show. Players of the Week have been announced on our social media channels earlier in the week. But, of course, we want to explain our picks in depth outside of the stats. First up is the Offensive Player of the Week, Jabari Harris, who was 14 for 25, had 203 yards passing with one touchdown, but also had 122 rush yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So, pretty much this guy accounted for... 325 yards of offense for the Helsinki Wolverines as they won the Helsinki Derby this week, this weekend on Thursday. And I feel like I don't really have to explain why we picked this guy. He was the driving force for the Wolverines in this game and this matchup that looked a lot closer than the score indicated. But when it came down to it and you needed a play, Jabari made that play. Um, that last touchdown to really just put it into any type of comeback ideas for the Roosters. That was just – that's next-level type stuff. That's one of those things that separates him and puts him up in our MVP candidate because we've seen a lot of teams, you know, not necessarily play up to their potential, and Jabari just has really just played at his best almost all season. This game was kind of like a stamping point for him, one of those – statement games this is a game that they're going to look back well we're going to look back later in the season and say well you know when he did this and this this is why we're at where we are now so really good by Jabari Harris well deserved I think he wins this award like two or three times every year anyway so that's great uh, moving on to the defense uh, we went a little outside the box on defense it's really hard to choose defense when some of these teams are just not good on offense and you get these like blowout type games. So then when you have some of the, it's really hard to tell like who's actually playing well 
versus who's playing well against competition. So what we're actually going to go, we're going to go with defensive lineman Krister Berg from the Helsinki Roosters. Despite them losing this game, and I'll throw out his stats, but that's not the reason he was selected. He had six and a half tackles, one tackle for loss, one forced fumble, and apparently had a QB hit on his stat sheet too, which I don't even know why they start trying to keep up with those because QBs get hit all the time. But anyways, Christopher Berg, he dominated the middle of the line for the Roosters. Even though the Wolverines were able to, to, you know, get their offense going and do what they wanted to do, it wasn't where he was. A lot of what they had to do was, you know, outside that A, A and B gap where he pretty much just dominated the Helsinki Wolverines offensive line. Um, his team didn't give him the help that he needed. His the middle linebacker, actually the outside linebacker, Arnpa, I think his name, he was very helpful as well. He was one of the tackle leaders, and he did good. But Christian Berg really just forced the Wolverines to do more outside running. And even in the past game, he did make them move the pocket more than they wanted to. It's hard to say, you know, he's the player of the week because, you know, his team lost. But he's the player that stood out this week. And all the defenses we saw – so a lot of defensive players do great against bad competition. The Wolverines' O-line is not bad. It's not great, but playing defensive tackle is always a hard position because you're normally double teamed. And Christopher Berg was able to dominate and control the middle of the line and give his team a chance. And you saw in this game that they actually had a chance. And Christopher Berg is the reason he did, they did that. So he's our defensive player of the week. Next up, we have Inside the Numbers with Chris Green, where he's going to give you some key team stats and player stats from this weekend's games. Welcome to Inside the Numbers with your host, Chris Green. This is the part of the show where we look at your top offensive, defensive, and best team performances of this past week. And without further ado, let's get right into it. Let's look at the top offensive performances of the week. We'll start with quarterback of the Senioki Crocodiles, Zach Whitehead. He was 16 of 20 in passing, for 230 yards, and threw a whopping seven TDs. Crazy numbers. Next up, we've got Jabari Harris. He was 15 of 25 with one interception. He threw for 203 yards and a touchdown. He also had 16 carries on the ground for 122 yards and three TDs. Dual threat, baby. Dual threat. Next up, we had Christian Powell, the Senioki Crocodiles. He had 12 carries for 160 yards, three TDs, and he also had four receptions for 22 yards and one TD on the passing game. Let's look at the top defensive performances. First up, we got Miles Corpening of the UNC Crusaders. He had 10 solo tackles, two assists, one forced fumble. And one fumble recovery. Next up, we've got Saido Jallo of the Senayoki Crocodiles. He had four solo tackles, five assists, 3.0 TFLs, and one interception, which he returned for 37 yards, and he recorded a 1.0 sack on the day. Next up, we've got Ronnie Lane, defensive back for the Quapio Steelers. He had four solos, one interception, which he returned to the crib, 43 yards, and he also had two PBUs on the day. Let's take a little look at the best team performances. 
on offense, passing yards. We had the Quapio Steelers coming in at 237 yards passing. Rushing yards, we also had the Quapio Steelers. They had a massive 322 yards on the ground. And you've guessed it, total yards, it has to be the Quapio Steelers. They had 559 yards of total offense. Their offense was firing on all cylinders. Let's look at third down conversion rate. We had the Helsinki Wolverines, who were 11 of 18 on third down, which worked out at 61.1%. Great job by those guys on third down. Defensively, we'll take a look at passing yards first. So the, the Senioki Crocodiles were able to restrict the, the Cocker Eagles to only 24 yards of passing. The Steelers managed to restrict the UNC Crusaders to get this. Minus 58 yards rushing. Crazy. Total yards. You may have guessed it with that big minus number. The Steelers restricted the UNC to minus 20 yards of total offense. You ain't never going to win a game with minus yards. Come on, guys. And then third down conversion rate percentage. Yet again, the Steelers restricted UNC and they were 0 of 13 on third down percentage. And that's going to be it for Inside the Numbers this week. Don't forget to check out Green's top five on our Instagram page at American Football in Finland. Join me next week where we take a look at the numbers with Inside the Numbers. We'll see you then. Are you looking for quality football apparel and accessories at an affordable price? Rare Athletics is made for players by players. Head over to rare.se and get your drip today. That's R-E-Y-R-R dot S-E. And use code AFF20 to receive 20% off all Rare brand products. Let's talk about some of the key player performances that might not have been highlighted in the stat sheet this week. Uh, Before I even get into it, if you're listening to this, recording by yourself is very difficult. There's nobody to, like, you know, feedback from. So I just feel like I'm just talking into a void. This is very different for the show this week. But the first person I want to talk about is Irovaya, defensive back, safety for the Quopio Steelers. Number two, you know, I, I like numbers. Number two, this guy is just really good. He almost had two interceptions in this game, and I think they ended up being PBUs. And these are plays that he's not making normal plays at the safety. He's flying across the field, using speed, agility. He sees the ball before it gets there, and he's making plays on it. He's not able to get the interceptions right now. And, you know, it's okay, Eero. I'll let it slide because at least you're not just patting down the ball. You're diving, trying to catch it, and, you know, trying to make a great play, and it just ends up being some PBUs. But the reason I point him out is his stats won't be that great this year. I don't think his stats are going to be great because he's been doing this all season. He's been the guy that breaks up plays, makes plays that he's not supposed to make, and I don't want people to take it for granted that this number two out there playing safety is kind of the central focus point for the Steelers' defense. He's really the reason that their defense of backs are so good overall. Well, let me take that back. I'm not going to say he's the reason they're all good, but he does play a key role roaming that middle and being able to make plays from that position, seeing the entire field. He has very great vision for safety. The next person I want to talk about is 
I'm just going to keep it with the Steelers and uh, showing my bias this season. Another DB from the Quopio Steelers, the young uh, DB cornerback, Costiotti. Um, Costiotti has less than three years of football experience. He's playing in Quopio originally. He's a Laparanta Razorback player. So, you know, that's a big jump. And him having to, to play in the Maple League as a starter – um, they decided to throw him into the fire, and he's held his own. And I just—it has to be said that guarding Cedric Johnson is not easy, and he was able to do it and made some plays on the ball. I can distinctly remember two pass breakups he had, where I mean he cloaked Cedric Johnson, who is still one of the fastest players in the league and one of the best receivers in the league, talent-wise. And Costi was on him like white on rice. That's something that you have to put a little bit of respect on that on that kid's name. I might have to start calling him Mr. Hoti, you know, because that's something that everyone can't do. A lot of DBs cannot guard an American receiver one-on-one by themselves for the majority of the game. The few times Cedric Johnson was able to be successful, Coasty wasn't guarding him, just putting that out there. Um, he's that type of kid, and we're going to keep watching him. He might be one of our candidates for rising stars later on in the season. Another person I want to talk about, Emmett Gooden. Last week's Defensive Player of the Week, I think. I think it was last week or the week before. I can't remember. But, again, he's still playing really good. I know their competition wasn't great in this game. The Crocodiles had it a little bit easy going against Kutka of all people. But he's everywhere. Emmett Gooden is everywhere making all the plays. And he has hustle. The hustle that he shows from playing defensive line normally plays in the middle. In this game, he played a little bit more on the outside. I also thought it was weird they changed his jersey number to 56. But, you know, whatever whatever floats your boat, man. Do you get your uh, swag up, I guess, however that works. But the point I'm trying to make about Emmett Gooden is that he's a very active defensive lineman. He does more than just rush the quarterback. He does more than just stop the gaps for the run. When plays get beyond that first level, he chases them down. He's a guy that comes in and finishes the plays from behind. And that effort, that's the thing that's going to make this a playoff team that might have a chance to go into the Maple Bowl this year because that effort is game-changing, and it really makes his team better than what they are talent-wise. And he's that guy, but a lot of what that effort and making those plays do doesn't necessarily come up in stats. And that's why I just wanted to throw his name out there so you guys know that he's doing things, even if he's not picking up, what was it, 55 or 70-yard touchdown runs, you know. He's still out there making an impact for the City of Crocodiles defense. Last person I want to talk about, again, I'm on the Crocodiles team, Yaska Vodinen. I want to pull his name out because I haven't heard it and I haven't said it much this year, and I don't want anyone to forget This is one of the best linebackers in the league. He's been playing kind of in the shadow of Sado Jallo this this season. I think that has a lot to do with where they're playing. And in this game, what I noticed was he was playing on slot receivers, like man up, and he was like he was a corner. It was like he was a nickelback. And that just shows his versatility. I just want to put it out there that this dude is more than just the in-the-box linebacker to make tackles. He's a legitimate outside linebacker that can pass rush, cover, 
and fill the gap, the complete package. I just really noticed it in this game early on that he was basically holding the slot receivers to no yards. They couldn't get any quick passes in or out because he was out there guarding the wide receivers. While we have other teams that are running like four two fives and using DBs in that position, the Crocodiles can run a base defense and actually just use their outside linebacker because he's that versatile at the position. So those are the players that I saw this weekend that really stood out outside the numbers. There's plenty of football going on in the world right now. So let's get into some of the top stories of football outside the Maple League. First, we'll start with the Women's Maple League. There was three games this weekend where the Tampa Saints lost to the Turku Trojans 53-6. The Helsinki Wolverines defeated the West Coast Phoenix 46-6. And the Mikolay Bouncers defeated the Loyal Lionesses 40-0. Now... I have seen the Saints versus Trojans games. I haven't seen the other two games just because of the timing, and I'll get to watching those. So I won't talk about them, but I will talk about the Trojans versus Saints game. It was wet. It was raining, blah, blah, blah. The Trojans were the better team in this one. They just looked a lot more polished, a lot better, like more confident in what they were doing. That's what it was. They were very confident in what they were doing in this game. I really felt like the Trojan offense was just rolling real easy with Yana doing a little bit of running, handing it off to Leah, handing it off to Laura. I'm saying everybody's first names because their last names are just really hard to say. Sorry for that. But it it just looked like things were too much for the Saints. It just got really ugly really fast for them. I think the Trojans scored first, then Saints get the ball. They fumble on, like, the first play. Next thing you know, Trojans have the ball on the other side of the field. They score a touchdown. It's 14-0, and it's like, okay, now what's going to happen? But, you know, the Saints are a good team. They get downfield. The number 10, sorry, I can't remember your name right now, but she catches a deep ball. They score. It's 14-6, and I'm thinking, okay, all right, we're in for a dogfight, and then Trojans score again. Now you're looking at, at 26, and Trojans are consistently running. They're not just using Leah Kazis. They're also using Laura Polkinen. They're mixing in both running backs, playing fullback, both of them playing tailback, doing counters, doing sweeps, doing dives, doing option plays. Like Their run game was ridiculous how creative – and how effective it was with these three people running the ball, the quarterback, fullback, and tailback. It was really impressive, and you can see that the Saints' defense just really wasn't up to the task of stopping this run game. The pass game, they were able to you know slow down at times, but it was raining, so obviously you're going to run in this game, and the Saints' defense just couldn't hold up with what the Trojans were doing. I want to say this is probably the best-looking of the Trojans' offense so far this season. And I really liked it because I've said before, I believe they're a true running team, but they forced the pass too much. And with the weather conditions, they were not even trying to think about passing too much. So they really got to show what their offense could look like. Even if dry weather, I think they would have been able to be successful for this. One thing that I really want to talk about in this game <laughs> is – 
it it got out out of hand fast. It was thirty nine to six at halftime. I shut the TV off after that. I don't watch trash time because that's just stat building. That's great, but I'm not worried about stats. I'm trying to see what's going on. What I really liked was number 16 for the Trojans. I think her name is Amelia Ropanen. Girl got swag, swag goo out there. I was watching her play on defense and I don't know because I don't I don't listen to the audio because it's in Finnish and I don't understand enough Finnish to listen to it. I just listen to music while I'm watching. But I seen her her body language, her posture a lot of times when she was breaking up passes against the receivers from the Saints. She was like her demeanor, her posture, the way she was doing it, it looked like she was doing a little trash talking. I can't say if she was, but I liked it. I know I liked it. I might have loved it because the way that she was her the way that she was kind of, you know, giving a head nod to the receiver like, "Hey, don't try that again." You know, she didn't do that basic like crossing your hands incomplete that a lot of people do, but she did look like she kind of stood over uh one of the receivers one time and I was like, "Okay. All right, little little something something." And then a couple plays later, she gets an interception um and gets I think she got a, a pick six also. I think she actually Finished the game with three interceptions. I didn't obviously I didn't see the second half interceptions, but this Amelia Ropenin, I see you. You on my radar now because the style of play that she was doing at corner was very aggressive, but she was very confident in what she could do, and she did stop one of the best receivers in the league. So she's you know right to feel a little cocky, if not um, overconfident. But she backed it up really well, and I, I liked her swag. I liked the way that she was carrying herself on the field. Like you could tell that she was there to make a point, and the point was taken. She was definitely dominating in the best DB out there uh, this weekend. So that's what I saw from that game. Again, I didn't watch the other two games yet. I'll watch those probably after this recording's over. So we'll just move on. We'll talk about the women's pick'em scores right now. We all picked the same the same people and we all got our picks right. So everybody is 12 and 3. Everybody's 12 and 3. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about was again the Women's Football Alliance. Tuti Kusinen and the Boston Renegades are in the second round of the playoffs. They actually beat the DC Divas in the wild card game. I was the last time we talked about this league, I thought that they were ranked differently. So actually, Tutti and Nana played against each other in that game, and Tutti's team was, you know, the better team. So good luck to Kusinen and the Boston Renegades in your playoff game coming up, and hopefully they make it all the way. You know, it'd be great to have her do that representing Finland out there. And speaking of Nana Olavuo, we'll actually have her on the podcast for our midsummer. So all you Maple League women followers or football or women football enthusiasts in general, if you want to hear about her experience and what she's been doing, we'll have that for you over the midsummer break when our next week's show. I think that's how it goes. Yeah. So another thing that was happening in Europe was the Sweden Scandinavian Cup. I don't know why I call it the Sweden Scandinavian Cup. It's just the Scandinavian Cup. But, I mean, the Swedish teams were playing in the championship. Stockholm Mean Machines beat Tirso Royal Crowns 44 to 14. 
I was at the game. I talked to players and coaches from both teams, got a real understanding of this rivalry. Um, I think people don't know outside of it, and I learned this weekend, obviously, that a lot of these players have played with and against each other. And Tiraso is is almost considered Stockholm. You can, you know, still use the Stockholm transportation to get there. Like, it's that close to the city. And a lot of these players that play for Tiraso have played for the Mean Machines in the past. Um, a little bit of vice versa. I'm not sure how many Tiraso were actually on the Mean Machines this time. But everyone knows each other. And even in the game, like, they've played each other earlier this season, so there's a familiarity. They, they follow each other. They knew how each other were going to play. And the biggest difference I've seen in this game was that the Stockholm Mean Machines were just a little bit more of a structured and disciplined organization. You could tell by the way that they prepared for the game, the way that they adjusted during the game, where their focus was throughout the process of the game. Like they just looked like the better organization, the better team. You know, I don't want to say the better organization. I don't know the ins and outs of Tiraso Royal Crowns like that. But when you looked at it, you saw one team and you're like, okay, that team is they're on something. They're focused on something. And not to say that Tiraso wasn't trying, but Tiraso just did not play to the level that the Mean Machines did in this game. And it showed a lot earlier than I thought it would because Tiraso came out really good early in the first quarter, took like eight minutes off the clock and scored. But after that, offense pretty much sputtered and Stockholm just ran amok as they do. You know, if you really want to know more about the game, uh, go to perfectpurpose.com, actually, my website. I wrote an article about it, or check my Facebook page out. I think I shared it on there with the link. So if you really want to know what happened in the game, that says a little bit more than what I'm telling you now. But the Scandinavian Cup is over. Next year, I'm like 99% sure that there, somebody from Finland is going to have to play in this series so they can make the Nordic Cup. But if not... I'll just keep going and watch the Scandinavian Cup. It was fun and interesting to see Norway, Denmark, and Sweden play in different games, different places. And just the the competitiveness, but also I want to say like the camaraderie, if that's the right word. Like just people meeting people from across different places. It's just really good for the sport because you learn things that help you go forward. You know, there's things that one team can do better, or maybe there's one things that another team wished that they didn't have to do, and you discuss those things and you try to problem-solve together. And I, I really saw that when both, like, the Norwegian teams came to Stockholm and the players are talking before and after the game, trying to get a feel for each other outside of what they're doing on the field, you know? So really great. Um, big ups to everybody that was involved in Scandinavian Cup this year. I know I'm on a soapbox here, but I was involved, so I enjoyed it. If you want to know how this game went, I was actually like updating the score on my Instagram, so you can go at Perfect Purpose and see all that. But it's over now. Uh, you can only celebrate for so long. So Sweden is back to the Super Serien. Actually, this week before midsummer, they're going to have two games. On Wednesday, the Karlstad Crusaders, who are 2-3, and three, will play against Orbro Black Knights, who are also 2-3. and three. So they're essentially playing for the number two seed. But on Thursday, Tirso plays against Stockholm again. And Stockholm has number one seed locked up, but Tirso's one and four. So if Tirso wins this game, depending on points, they could 
become either the two or three seed, depending on, yes, because if whoever loses out of Carlstad and Orbe will be two and four. If Tirsa wins, they're two and four. So they could either be the three or the four. Yeah, depending on that. There's a chance they could be the three seed if they win. And if they lose, they're the four seed. But the first game is definitely their plan for the number two seed. And then that that'll be the playoff the playoffs for Sweden will start July second weekend. Where they'll play the semifinals and then they'll have their championship on July 9th in Orbro. Um going on to international competitions. Elf, they had a whole lot of games today. I haven't really had a chance to look at them. I did notice that the Barcelona Dragons are 3-0. I just think that's really impressive because last year they were they were an average to below average team out there in the ELF. So they're really they really turned things around. I haven't watched them specifically, but I'm still impressed with the three and start for them. And it looks like the ELF is just getting more and more competitive. Now, moving on to the the last bit of football news I want to talk about is the Italian championship is in two weeks, the IFL. And it looks like it's going to be the Guelphy Footins against the Milano Seamen for a championship. Guelphy upset the number two seed, Parma Panthers, and Milano took care of the Ancona Dolphins. So it's going to be an exciting game coming up in two weeks. Good luck to both those teams, and obviously good luck to Luke. Might, let me change that up. Good luck to Luke Zaraka out there and Milano doing his thing, and this will be a good win. Well, I'm not going to say they're going to win. I don't know who's going to win, but it'll be a good last ILF game for the Milano Seaman before they get ready for the ELF. And that is other news. I think we covered it all. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. If you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. It's time for win or loss. We all know the results of last weekend's game, but let me kind of tell you guys which teams won and which teams lost their game. The first game... We got the Helsinki Roosters and the Helsinki Wolverines. I, it was a good game. I feel like I'm I'm not gonna edit this well, so y'all just gonna hear all my outtakes. I felt like the better team won, but I also feel like neither team really like impressed me. And this is why me doing this by myself is gonna be a little bit bad for this week's show because. I feel like the Wolverines are a really good team, but I also feel like we're not getting their full potential. And even though the the Roosters played well or they played close to them for most of the game, never really thought the Roosters were going to win. They they're not the better team in these two. But it was really good to see, you know, at the end of the game where the Wolverines really needed to make plays to separate themselves from the Roosters. They did it. You saw RJ Long make make a lot of plays, really. Then you also saw Jabari Harris, you know, put that final dagger in there. And they had a lot of emotion coming from them on the Wolverine side. I do feel like 
the Roosters just weren't really as invested in this game as what you would want. Like I like the rivalry derby thing. I feel like the Roosters, those young Roosters players, don't have that err yet. And I really hope them losing gives them that err. But definitely the Wolverines won this game, so not much to say about it. The better team won. We just want to see how they keep going on the season. The next game was the Crocs versus the Eagles, a blowout. So, again, not hard to know that the Crocodiles won the game. Eagles never really had a chance, and they made it look way too easy. Um, I feel bad for the Eagles, not because, like, they, I mean, they are not a great team. They're they're not even a good team in this league, but it's because of the league. I feel like, again, this is a team of players who aren't Maple League players. And they're all finished players, mostly finished players anyways. And they're good players, but they're not great players. And they're getting beat by some really good players to almost great players. And when they play someone like Christian Paul, it just looks bad. Um it was 19 to 0, and I think the Crocodiles had ran like six total plays of offense. Like it, it, it happened so fast in this game. Just really, really fast. I don't I don't know what the Eagles could do to fix it. Normally, when we see something like a team playing this bad, we can say, okay, I do this or this. Only thing we can say for the Eagles is they need better players. And that's not a great solution ever. You need better players. It's different if I could say you need a better quarterback or you need a better receiver. But all across the board, they need upgrades, and that's just really not going to happen. One thing that stood out in this game was the offensive line for the Eagles. They just don't know what to do. The Steel, Not the Steelers, sorry. The Crocodiles ran some stunts, very basic stunts. And the Eagles never picked it up. They never knew what to do when the defensive tackle went one way and the linebacker came the other way behind them. Just a very simple cross stunt going both A-gaps. Linebacker always came through free, which to me that makes no sense. But, again, I don't think these linemen are that experienced at playing against these level, this level of defense. And I just feel like the Eagles are just really overmatched in this game. This might be the first time that I really feel like a team that got moved up should not have been moved up. And that's, that's kind of tough to say, but that's just where we feel. I feel like that this team is just not ready for this league. And they're really lowering the level of the league this season. As I was in Sweden this weekend, you know, people were asking me about this team. Like, are the Eagles really that bad? What's going on over there? And I'm like, I, I try to, you know – do what I can to protect the, you know, the Finnish league and saying that, you know, we're one of the best in Europe. But, shoot, I have to call it like it is. They're just not a good team, don't have good enough players, and they lost to a playoff team. Crocodiles are a playoff, a Maple Bowl contender, and they ran through them like they should. That's how this game went, so it was an easy win. One last thing I want to talk about before I – go to another game. Again, this was a it was 47 at half, so everything I'm talking about is first half. I don't watch garbage time. Uh, that's just for stats, and that's great for stuff later on in the season. But the number 17 for the Crocodiles, Sarkala, the receiver, I don't know which, which first name he is. I know they have two of them. But number 17, he had like three or four touchback kickoffs in this game, 
and I know that's a random thing to talk about, but field position is very important in American football, and he gives them some of the best field position when they score because they're only going to get the ball to the 20-yard line. It might be 25 now. I can't remember. I think I think they're still doing 20-yard line. Either way, he's not letting the other team start the ball at the 30, 35, and stuff like that, and that's giving them a shorter field when they get the ball on offense for the Crocodiles. I think that could be something that's huge if he keeps kicking it deep like this when they start getting closer to the playoff run. So the third game was Quopio Steelers versus UNC Crusaders. Uh, what was the score? Eighty-two to like twelve, something like that. Just not, not, not a good one for UNC. You know what? Before I even talk about the game, I heard I I try not to look at the stats before I talk about what I saw in the game, just so I can be correct about actual play on the field instead of just looking at numbers. That's why we have Chris Green. He looks at all the numbers for everybody. But I I heard in passing that the stats for the UNC team was very bad in this game. So let me just throw this out here. Net rushing for Crusaders, negative 58 yards. Net passing, 38 yards. Total offense for the UNC Crusaders, negative 20 yards. Negative 20. They owe the game 20 yards. They have negative 20 total yards. It's ridiculous. And then the Steelers have 559 total yards offense. That That is just downright crazy. A matter of fact, I'm looking at penalties. The Crusaders had seven penalties for 31 yards. You had more penalty yards than you had actual offensive yards. That is ridiculous. This is similar to the Eagles situation, but I feel it's a little bit different because I don't feel bad for UNC. I feel like this organization set up a whole bunch of players. They have some decent players in certain positions. I think the quarterback is okay. I think the receivers are okay. Um, the number 12, I can't, I don't know why I can't remember his name. Castano, Castano. I think Castano is pretty good. Obviously, Cedric Johnson is really good. The Corpening brothers are are definitely playing great, but there's only so much they can do. I think they had 17, 18 players out there. They're, they're going to lose. They're going to lose by a lot, and they can't get a lot done because you're just everybody's getting tired and getting overworked. But I don't want to talk about them too long. Um, I'll say one, one good thing about the UNC is the Corpening brother, I want to say Miles, is it? Number one. The number one. Is that Miles or is that – the other one. I, I can't remember their names. Honestly, I can't. But corporate and brother number five. I see you, dude. I see you. He is active. I We, we say active when we can't co- come up with stats. Because I don't think his stats are impressive. But I see him around the field getting to the ball, making plays, hitting people, as well as trying to break up passes. And then he lines up a receiver and runs routes. Because it's UNC, so you have to do that. But it's just hard to be effective and do that. And he's doing it very well for them. And his value has got to be high on that team because I think if you take him off the field, 
instead of it being 82, it might be, you know, 102 in this game. That's the impact that he has. I feel like he's doing really well. I just want to throw his name out there. Probably should have put him in my outside the numbers, but I didn't think about it. Oh, well. Uh, getting back to this game, uh, I'm looking at my notes. I don't want to talk too much about my actual notes, but the Steelers are winning games and even this game and they're not playing everybody like they're not going full tilt in this game they still put up 80 points there you can see it on the field like I, I talked about it early you know Coasty Hody getting the start Tino and Dongo was playing sparingly on defense you know he jumps in on offense and runs the jet sweep and he's catching returns same thing with Eero Pekarinen, who's basically just doing kickoffs, even though he's the best DB out there. And I think if I looked at the stats, he ended up playing a little bit more DB later in the game. So I don't know if he's, like, not the starter now, which that would be crazy to me. But, hey, however they work, they got 85 DBs. All of them are good. I don't have a problem with that. So they're able to do this, and they're just rotating people. They're just giving everybody a chance to play. And you can't tell starters and backups. You can't tell the difference. Like, their starters, their backups, they can put in anybody and their team is going to play the way their team plays. That is a scary thought for anybody that has to play this team. You can't key in on matchups because they're able to put everybody everywhere. And obviously I'm talking mostly about their defensive backs, but that's a really, really strong position for this team. But there's also other positions where they're moving people around, but not nearly as much because they don't have as much depth as they have in DB. Like I said before the season, they have six DBs. No, I said eight. They have eight to ten. I think I counted ten. I'm, I'm going to go with ten because they run a four two five. So I'm going to say they have ten DBs, and they're able to play eight of them at a time and beat you, and you can't score more than 12 points. That's, that's impressive. And then the defense as a whole – without getting too much into it because UNC just they had no chance up front. So it was a slaughter. But the negative yardage, that's still impressive no matter who you're playing against. Keeping a team negative yard for four quarters is not an easy feat. So kudos to the Steelers' entire defense. But just throwing a little bit out there about their offense as well. Hannes, how are you? You're looking good out there, number 80, catching everything that went your way in this game. I liked it. It just—it was really good to see you, you know, kind of put on the platform of, you know, he was the focus receiver in this game. Well, in the first half, again, I don't watch second half. I don't watch trash. But in the first half, you can see that he was going to make plays. Joey B was going to give him the ball, and they did their thing. And that was just really good to see in this game. Well, last thing I'm talking about is the penalty against Reason Over for celebrating before he scored. Uh, that was a little much. We, I, I feel like he might have high stepped like for two steps, but I really feel like that was just unnecessary call. And he eventually ended up scoring a touchdown anyways, but they just delayed the game. I really hope we don't get to the point where, as the season goes, we try to limit the the creativity and the personalities of these players, I don't I don't want to see us go that way. So that's just something I wanted to talk about. I really think that we have to let certain stuff slide. Like he, It wasn't like he was doing some type of like Harlem shake into the end zone. He got excited that he was going to you know score. He started 
stepping his legs up a little bit. And then he stopped because he was like, okay, I'm just going to score. And he went in. And they threw a flag anyways. A little unnecessary. I mean, it's not like he was taunting. I think if you're not taunting, whatever you do before you score, that's on you. As long as you're not looking at the opponent and trying to make fun of them, you're fine. But again, I'm not the ref. They made the call. He still ended up scoring a touchdown. I just felt a little bit about it. It was 49 to 6 at half, so obviously I didn't watch the second game. And the Steelers won. It wasn't, I don't know if I said that at the beginning, but the Steelers won easily. There was no, yeah, Steelers won. And that is win or loss. Maple League teams do not play next week in observance of the Johannes holiday. But not to worry, we will still put out a show next week, even if it's just me again. But most likely we'll have some interviews with different players. Like I said earlier, we'll have Nana Alovio on here for sure. Um, We'll have a couple of players from the Maple League. Might even bring somebody from the Swedish League out here and just, you know, make it a whole thing. But we'll talk about all the teams, how they look so far, almost halfway through the season at this midsummer break. And then, you know, let you know our thoughts going into the second half of the season, where we think teams are going to land and how we feel about some of these teams. But we did – we're not going to do pick them, obviously, because there's no games to pick. But we did do pick them last week. And just to keep you updated with what's going on, Chris Green is in first. He's 14-1. and Finland Swami is also in first at 14-1. and Spencer Cutlins, 13-2. Perfect Purvis, I'm 12-3. And still holding up last is Coach Q at 11-4, even though me choosing the Roosters last game has got me almost as low as Q. That's it for this episode of American Football in Finland. Hope it was worth the listen. Uh, I guess it's just me, so I'll do the last words. Only last words I really have now is Happy Johannes uh, or Huva Johannes for everybody this upcoming weekend. Enjoy your weekends. Hope everybody's able to go to the lake, do the stuff at the cabins and all the fun stuff that you do in Finland for Johannes. Enjoy the weekend, guys. If you enjoy the show, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less tells us that you are a hater. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook at American Football in Finland. By following us on all channels, you'll have a chance to win football merch provided by our sponsors at Rayer Athletics. Be sure to follow the instructions in the episode and the description below. Until next time, never forget T-I-F. I'm gone. American Football in Finland.